Welcome back to the Any Given Thursday podcast. We're here talking about the Europa and the Europa Conference League as always, and we've just seen the first legs of four European semifinals. No, they don't feature Real Madrid or Manchester City or one of the iconic derbies in European football, but three of them did take place in Italy. Yeah, so they do feature some pretty historic teams as well. I mean, Juventus, former Champions League winners, Sevilla. But never won the Europa most, League. Yeah. Juventus. Interesting. Sevilla probably, I would guess, top 10 most decorated European clubs of all time. Yeah. exclusively through. As the of the last 15 years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> never before the last 15 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, since we just brought that up, let's dive straight into Turin. Juventus won. Won. Sevilla. And you know what? We, we talked about this in the preview. No longer betting against Sevilla, and this is why. They came to play today. They were the better team uh, for most of this game, I think you could say, at least in the first half. In yeah, the first half, they were far and away the better yeah. team. Yeah, the original lineup that Juventus came out with was not working. Sevilla had the attack of Juventus totally bottled up. And Vlaovic was on there for 60 minutes and had maybe 10 touches. Yeah, Allegri put out a 3-5-2 here. Vlaovic up top, Di Maria sitting in behind. Bremer is out through injury. Yeah. Mandilabar, um, meanwhile, went yeah. through the 4-2-3-1. Um, and it didn't look quite right. It didn't look like they were really coping with the Sevilla wingers, especially on the counter. Mm-hmm. And especially um, early. Yeah, and that's how the goal came, actually. Um, uh, in the 26th minute... Um, uh, the Spanish side sort of starts working on a counter, uh, starts all the way back in their own, uh, at the edge of their own box. Um, Campos gets the ball down the right flank. It's a really good ball from Pablo oh, right. Torres. Yeah, Torres. Yeah. On the uh, on on a one touch, mm-hmm. um, it winds up being a three v two for Sevilla. Probably um, the only good pass Torres had all day too. But it was a really <laughs> and Ocampos uh, Ocampos squares for for the big Moroccan. And Naziri, who's had uh, quite the quite the calendar year so far. That's 16 goals for him mm-hmm. um, as he rolled that into the side netting. He's having kind of a moment, been a big part of Sevilla's big form transition and recovery under Mandilabar, yeah. and a big reason why they're at this stage in the in this competition. Um, the future of that Moroccan national team that made the semifinal of the World Cup in December is looking pretty mm-hmm. nice. Pretty good. They got some players on that team. Yeah. Um, Oh, and Bono as well in gold. Bono, yeah. yeah. It's a it's yeah, a Moroccan party. Future, but I totally forgot he was on. It's a Moroccan party. And you know, funny you should bring him up because uh he uh Juve's one big chance of the first half uh was kind of a square ball for Vlaovic, which Bono sort of misses. Yeah. <laughs> and Vlaovic it seems to throw him off enough that he puts it over. I think he was offside anyway, but Yeah, that's what everyone was saying afterwards. Yeah. I don't think it officially counted as offside, so mm-hmm. it's his only shot of the game, which mm-hmm. might not even have counted anyway. But <laughs> I, th- I thought when I first watched it that Bruno had gotten a hand to it. Because and, I was like, there's no way yeah. Vlaovic misses it. Yeah. But he's just throwing I think he just, thinks he's going to touch it. Yeah. Um, kind of throws him off. But yeah, you have to say, it, after those first 10 to 12 minutes, that it, it was really all Sevilla in the first half. They had the much brighter start to the tie. Um, just a few minutes after that, Brian Hill plays a Nisrian on goal over the top of the Juve defense, but he can't make accurate contact. That also might be offside, but yeah, there's some alarm bells for Juve. Super close. Um, and even on the goal, I don't really know how that so quickly, how one pass unlocks a 3v2 situation. Yeah, they well, just seem to forget to Marco Campos I think screaming up the right. was where we saw the absence of Bremer came back to hurt defenses. Mm-hmm. I don't think that goal happens with Bremer out there. 
Because the compost is going to get space on that side because cost stitches. He's basically a winger in this system, right? Uh-huh. And Sandro also likes to get forward a little bit. He's basically playing left back. And having Bremer in the middle gives you a presence that can keep up with those guys and fill those spaces. So you don't think you don't think 55-year-old Bonucci can do it for you anymore? Not anymore. I mean, we saw his limitations today. Like, that was what created the goal. It's fact that it was Bonucci there who was trying to track that run instead of Bremer who... Yeah. And, and both basically impose himself and keep up. Both Kostic and Sandro on the wrong end of that, I believe, too. On the wrong end of co- compost there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. They Juve looked sloppy and undisciplined through that first forty-five, and the deficit could have been worse if Sevilla could have put a couple of slightly more on target chances together. Mm. Um. From their good play, Allegri definitely agreed because he brought on Chiesa and. A surprise 19 year old Englishman Samuel Illing Jr. at half, yeah, to replace Kostic. Illing Jr. has been in scintillating form recently, uh, especially the second half of the year last month. Mm-hmm. He's been one of the better players when he ventures. So, I think it's a really good move by Allegri, those substitutions that just yeah, very un Allegri to bring on a kid there. Yeah, he's been better um, about it this year, and I think mostly for lack of options, but yeah. But they also have better you know, players than I think you would normally do with like Nervetti and Tachio. Yeah, they've like reinvested there. in that, right? That yeah. end, like purposely. And they're not just bringing in 23 year olds uh-huh. to be there. And they've also done that. Now. Yeah. They also littered with those guys, Locatelli and Vlaovic and whatever. Yeah, but they're, um, you know, they've developed a little bit to that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think the youth propping Juventus is substantially better than normally is. Yeah, and the the Illing Junior thing paid off to some degree. He was at least bright and pacey, and he actually got a fiery long range effort sixty three minutes in that that Tespano, yeah. um, shockingly their first attempt on target of the game. Um, Juve's energy at least is a lot better. Um, we get a Gatti sighting in the 61st, which will be important later. Yeah, and we even get a Paul Pogba sighting. How fun! Uh, that one surprised me. The Gatti sub. I think you could see it coming. Like, he needed somebody who's a little quicker than Benucci out there. Benucci was clearly off the pace today, just not physically able to cope with Sevilla. Mm-hmm. So, definitely need to make a change in the back. Gatti, I think you can see in the game, after the 60th minute, Juventus took a little more control of the game. Mm-hmm. And I think Gatti was a big reason why. And they also, had to. They're down 1-0 at home, too. Yeah. And also bringing on Milik for Blaovic, somebody who can drop deeper and play with others as opposed to just being like an out-and-out number nine who was getting completely isolated. Mm. I don't like giving Allegri credit that often. But and Chiesa probably had something to do with that, too, because yeah. they were basically playing with a 3-5-1-1. Yeah. And then Kies is going to push the issue a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw him pop on the right and the left. I think he and like Illing Jr. kind of like flip sides at one point. Um, yeah, that's one of the things Illing Jr. provides is the ability to play. I wonder if they shifted, did they if they shift slightly more into a back four at that point? Mm-hmm. Um, at halftime, anyway. Um, yeah, after before Di Maria comes off, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Sevilla, for their, their part, only made three changes all match. Interesting, uh, Allegri had empty his bench by the 70th minute, chase, chasing a goal. Um, Mandelibar only makes three, one of which was Ocampos coming off for injury in the mm-hmm. first end of the first half, replaced by Montiel, which I just wanted to point out is uh, a great highlight of a 26-year-old Argentine right winger replacing a... 28-year-old Argentine right-winger. Yeah. Um, uh, and But f- frankly, for a game that, if you look at the box score, had a relatively high XG total, at least according to Fotmob, mm-hmm. there weren't all that many clear-cut chances here. Yeah. 
especially for Juve, despite them having sort of a lot of the ball in the second half. Sevilla were kind of content to play off of it and hold on to that lead at a certain point. Juve sort of toiled away um, trying to penetrate the defense, and they didn't really have any huge success with anything until deep into stoppage time, pretty much the last kick of the game. Yeah, the um, was past the six minutes of added time, say, yeah. which I know will be a point of contention for Sevilla. But to be fair to it, Juventus, which I don't like doing because I hate yeah. them, but Sevilla had wasted more than twenty seconds of time during that, and they got the corner off like fifteen seconds after. So, and and they should do better. They should do so much better defensively on this corner because it's interesting when I feel like right before the cross goes in. There's sort of a, there's just like a really negative energy emanating from the crowd. They feel like they've kind of bottled it here. They're restless and unhappy. But uh, Danilo wins the first contact um, on the cross, which is going to be a theme of today, by the way. Um, Danilo winning first contact, or just people yeah, winning different course. levels of contact um, on set pieces specifically. Um, so he wins that first contact. He flicks it towards the end line. Pogba's there. He makes second contact. He heads it across goal that finds Gatti, um, who's one of two players. Milik is the other one, I think, who uh, basically have uncontested, an uncontested tap in with their head. Um, and it, it's, it's, they celebrate like they've won the title. Uh, <laughs> and then Gatti realizes that they haven't. Um, the, apparently, according to Fatmov, the Pogba and Gatti headers right there are uh accounted for almost one entire xg yeah. of their of their total xg today so fair, that could shocking if Gatti had yeah yeah distance, but... and the Gatti's was like a 0. 0.76 xg yeah. or something um just I... the, about the xg thing in yeah. um the Fiorentina basel game i think it was no 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 west Ham. sorry the west Ham game mm-hmm. where there were the three headers right before the goal uh-huh that counted for 1.22 XG. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's the fallback with XG as a stat. Yeah, we should mention that Danilo and Pogba do really well mm-hmm. to be strong and win those balls, and Pogba in particular is very accurate with his assist. Mm-hmm. And then Gatti and Milik do well to read the situation and sort of track the ball. Yeah. But the Sevilla defense gets caught ball watching here, particularly um, when Pogba receives... Everyone just sort of attracts to him and watches as the ball goes over their head to the far post and nobody tracks correctly. Um, and for that reason alone, this will probably be a frustrating result at the end for Sevilla, who should won um, based on the first half dominance and, you know, the frustrating defensive block in the second. They'll, they'll feel they kind of blew a huge advantage here to take home. At the same time, if you look at this from, you know, a bird's eye, 1-1, in Turin, perfectly reasonable, better than probably most people would have predicted, yeah. um, except for us. And, uh, you know, they're still in a great position going home where they've been really good in this competition. Really, really good at home. But Juventus have also been really, really good on the second legs. I mean, we saw them... They but they're going to have to score. And then score three <laughs> yeah. on this, in the second leg to go go through 4-1. So... They're going to have to score. One, both teams could... Go through, yeah, and a couple of things win this weekend, uh-huh. they will pretty much assure themselves of a Champions League spot, and maybe that means they come out, throw everything at the squad, and say, Let's yeah. go and try to win this, and then we'll take a break during the league. Yeah, afterwards. I'd still be concerned if I was them based on, I mean, just Sevilla's pedigree alone. And this, no matter who the players or the manager is, like they don't have a single player except Jesus Navas that <laughs> that won most of these, most of these titles. 
um, in the competition. Oh, wow. What a lovely interruption from the... Uh, oh, unbelievable. That's so rude when we're doing a podcast. We're back from checking the packages and we received nothing. Nothing. Um, as usual. Yeah, that's frustrating. Um, and what else is frustrating is playing Sevilla and Andalusia mm-hmm. because, in this competition because um, they don't concede much at least in these knockout stages they barely conceded yeah. and if at all and uh they have been a, they've they've won three nil at home more than once including united and the psv which was the first leg yeah um it's just becoming a really hard place to go again there'll be a great crowd who who knows what it takes to get their side over the line in this sort of competition they're revitalized under this new management um They'll have the most informed attacking player. Um, yeah, yeah. Since Vlaovic, you know, on paper should be a more exciting number nine, but yeah. hasn't really been. Been really, really. All 2023 is since the World Cup. He's really yeah, been even it. before the World Cup. Yeah, I guess he had a little knock arm, too. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Sevilla should go into the second leg as favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you don't count out a Juventus team with. The pedigree that they have either yeah and um, i think that if they manage to like get a kind of scrappy goal or one against run of play first mm-hmm. this is a team that can shut shut it down and knows how to nurse a one nothing yeah like, the first goal is going to be big in this yeah. one um you do wonder how many adjustments allegri might make since what they put out there today wasn't particularly successful mm-hmm. who gets the start Chiesa didn't do a whole lot off the bench, but maybe you need his creativity from the go. Mm-hmm. Since you don't, I mean, Di Maria has been filling that role in the Europa League. He's been really good. Yeah. Um. So maybe you stick with him. I don't really know if you can play both at the same time for that long. But not in the formation that Allegri's been. I don't know. For. Yeah. It'd have to be a. Di Maria will track teams. back and cover, but I don't know. if Not very physical to play both as wingers. Yeah. Wonder if we see Illing Junior from the start instead of Kostic. Costage yeah. was pretty bad. Yeah, um, usually very reliable though. Yeah, he is. But Illing Jr. had some promising moments, and it looked like they could they needed some like fresh legs and ideas in this one. Um, maybe we see him from the start. Um, as I mentioned, Mandilabar didn't really go to the bench. Um, they do like to rotate a lot mm-hmm. between competitions. Yeah. Uh, but now that they're safe in the league, um, they are pushing for seventh. But they yeah. could make the Champions League if they win this competition. Yeah. So, um. I wouldn't expect much rotation from him, but uh, one change I might think to see next week is maybe Lamella starting in place of Brian Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, Lamella, we've seen him bring a lot of energy, especially yeah. in like pressing and shithousery uh, that we saw terrorize De- David De Gea a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Um, that might be useful in an elimination game. Yeah, um, and you know he fits with a lot of the like atmosphere of that squad and the culture mm-hmm. of the team he fits in really really well and it has the experience level mm-hmm. that team's played a lot of european games brian teal is not and he didn't look that great today either so yeah. i could totally see the melon in there yeah who was good was who was good was was speaking of someone with experience ivan rakitic at the age of 35 yeah. had a really nice game um he i expect will be good to go next week as well mm-hmm. um but anyway we'll see yeah. Why don't um, we move on to the other European tie yeah, Roma in the competition? In. Roma takes the home tie one to nil through a goal from the youngster Bove in the 63rd minute. Um, there wasn't 
ton in this game. We thought this might actually be the more engaging watch, and it wasn't. Um, yeah, Bove did. turned out to be the big talking point. David's going to take his victory lap on bringing him up in the preview. He did end up getting the start today, and he did end up scoring the only goal. Uh, Smalling also didn't play. Is he still not fit? Yeah, he's still not fit. I mean, mm. we talked about that in the preview that it looked like he probably wouldn't be ready. Yeah. He wasn't ready. Davala wasn't. Yeah. Ready. He only came on in the 76th minute. Uh, Jose also went with both Tammy and Bellotti today in a 3-5-2, which hasn't always worked in the past. No. Um, and I'm not totally comfortable saying it worked today either because I'll get to this, but they pr- pretty much only offense was lumping the ball up to Tammy. Um, Alonzo's side looked about how we've come to expect from them. Um, and they were the ones who started more shock- sharply in the first 10 minutes, especially they had a couple of really decent chances um, including a, a Verts shot at the edge of the box that creeps just wide. And I think it's a chance that the Wunderkind will really want back because um, live, you're, it doesn't look crazy that he missed, but then you watch it on replay, he has a lot of time. Ball sits up perfectly for him. Yeah, and you'd think, he, I think he thinks he should have finished that. And that could have really changed the tenor of the game. You're talking about the one that he played... He played the Flozak. Plays a one-two, yeah. Yeah, that was really sits nice up really good for him. Yeah, it would have been a beautiful. We've seen him finish that well. plenty yeah. of times. Yeah, he he definitely looked like he was kicking himself after that. Yeah. Um, Roma's big chance of the first half comes from what you guessed it, a set piece <laughs> in the 19th minute. Pellegrini's delivery finds the big old head of Abanez. Um, he looks surely like he's gonna score, but. Uh, Radetsky gets an enormous right hand to it. It's a really good save, but Ibanez should really score there. Um, and then Roma does get their goal in the second half from some serious route one stuff. It's the ball gets like lumped like six thousand yards forward into, into the god damn it, serious. Well, we've been rudely interrupted twice in this podcast already. It's not a good sign. No. Um, but uh, we were talking about uh how Roma is bad at soccer. Uh. <laughs> but get results in 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 the context of a goal they scored um but anyway so Roma gets this uh lumping ball to him he's able to head it down it ends up at the feet of Bove he drives like 20 yards forward or so he lays it off to Abraham who turns um because I don't think I've ever seen Tammy like receive a pass and face forward yeah he's always <laughs> back to goal um he rips a shot uh it's a save, but Radeski puts it sort of right back into the center of the box um, where Bove taps home. Yeah. Maybe it's a little unfair to nitpick here, but I think Radeski should maybe do better here. I mean, it's a pretty hard lead struck shot, but he it, he has some time to see it. It's not blocked or anything. Mm-hmm. And if he parries it anywhere else, like yeah. it's not a goal. There no. wasn't a lot in it, but that's I, how Roma gets their winner. I do think it is deserved for Tammy, though, who had done... He worked I, hard. I mean, he'd worked hard, and he'd done a lot of contributing to the game as a whole. And so for him to set up the goal like that, I think is deserved. Mostly receiving long balls. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a nice moment for the kid, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, hometown guy. The longer, Yeah, the longer the second half goes, the more it seemed like Roma's entire game plan was pretty much just reliant on Tammy holding up play. They, they weren't really into playing football today. No, and I think that was intentional from Jose because, I mean, just look at the squad without the ball of there. I've seen them play and... some football today or in different times this season. Yeah. Well, I'm saying I think this was this intentional. Wasn't I think it was yeah. with Smalling out and with the ball and not able to play the full game, Jose seemed to play guys that are a little more reserved. I mean, 
Pellegrini was further back than he typically would be. And I think a lot of it had to do with one, just make sure the defense was a little sound because you don't have your calming presence of Smalling, who is the elder statesman of the defense. He's the experience. He's the guy who can make sure everyone's in the right spot. And also you just have really dangerous players in that entrance to the final third area on Leverkusen guys like Burtz and Diaby who can really, really hurt you. So he wanted that stability of having Matic deeper, Cristante there, Pellegrini and Bove a little deeper. Yeah. Just so he set out to be reserved today. Yeah. Leverkusen didn't have the space Leverkusen, that they typically try to create. I think Leverkusen so. was okay with a little reserved uh, performance as well. Mm-hmm. They, well, obviously they had the ball and all that. Yeah. They, they didn't, you know, have their usual levels of exciting, high, fast paced football. I think partially because especially after conceding once you don't want to get caught in transition with some of their dangers in Rome. Like you don't want to get a Pellegrini drive into space and suddenly it's two nil. Yeah. Um, they're probably smart to sit on the one nil, even though they did have a big chance in the 87th minute because we've been waiting for Rui Patricio to make his big error. <laughs> and fortunately for Roma, it didn't cost them this time. Yeah. He drops a cross in the 87th that falls right at the feet of Frimpong. Unfortunately for him, his effort is blocked on the line by Cristante. And that was the biggest chance um, to, yeah. to equalize. It Side is note, like right at Cristante. It's the entire goal to go for it. And he just yeah. smacks it straight yeah, at Cristante's chest. Tough. It's really unfortunate. It's too bad. Um, yeah, in the end, it wasn't as exciting game as we hoped, but it is poised for a pretty exciting second leg mm-hmm. um, in which Leverkusen will be forced to attack and Romo might be forced to play a little bit more if if they concede. Yeah. Hopefully Leverkusen gets the first goal, so it's not just Roma with 30 men in the box the whole game. Yeah. Um, uh, Roma did enough to muddy it up, and uh, I think both sides will be content enough with how this turned out today. I think for Roma, you really got to watch this instead of watching their game over the weekend, just watch the medical report <laughs> to see if Smalling and Dybala are going to be They should just play the youth team this weekend. Yeah. Uh, and give <laughs> up on... They're, like, pretty much locked in to six or seven. Yeah, Jose's so. given up on top four, and he's bitching that it's... Even though he has, like, the third highest wage bill in the league, it's yeah. definitely the team's fault for not having more players. Mm-hmm. That's how that works. Yes, um, not his. Side note, I did want to point out, Michael Oliver ref this game. Does he ref every single game? Does he get every match? Well, they need to have an English referee, and he's the only capable one. Bro, I, I swear to God, I see him, like, he pop, like every day he pops up. And I'm like, how, where does this guy have time to do yeah. all this refereeing? It's insane. Yeah. Uh, that guy needs a vacation. Um, let's move on to the Conference League. Um, why don't we start with the big surprise of the day, which was Fiorentina 1 to Basel. Wow. This uh, did I want not to be go upset how I we like expected. Fiorentina. But it's pretty cool. Like, it's this kind is of... not, it's not go how we expected. Um, I think it did to an extent, though, because Fiorentina got caught playing too far forward, uh-huh. engaging their defenders in attack too much, and Basel hit them on the counter. Which well, we... sure, I guess what if if I expected Basel to get a result, it wouldn't have. It, it would have been more of a way... smash and grab, and it wasn't. They deserved it, especially after their like disastrous game this weekend against Zurich, where. Mm-hmm. They lost the match and and got three red cards in the la- in stoppage time, <laughs> uh, combined with Fiorentina's goal scoring record of late. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's fair to say most people would have picked Fiorentina Absolutely. comfortably in this home Absolutely. leg. Um, and they did dominate the opening couple minutes, but at the same time they also showed Basel the way to glory here. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, offside goal really early for Basel. Yeah, just the eighth minute. Fiorentina's yeah. high line is really easily beaten over the top. If it was something we've seen with them before, it's how they play. Um, it's a this... move that sees Augustine tap home what would be an opener, but the run is offside. It looked pretty offside. It was Lies, it was very close. <laughs> I even on replay it was Negligible. not that close. It looked close. He to had me, a, dude. He, his whole body was passing. No, it's not true. Look it yeah, up again. I no, just watched a guy it. On the left. I just watched no, it. It's his like, you can see it lined passing. up. I completely disagree. It's I think close. that's one. Of, I thought that was pretty clear. It looked pretty close. But to me. I do wonder the mental impact that had on Fiorentina, like just having to pick the ball out of your net, yeah. even if it is offsides like well and i think it probably did more for uh basil than anything else because they uh because uh dude he's dude, right here yeah and his whole body is past look watch it's close dude. look at the line of the cut right look at the line of the yeah, grass he's offside but he's, he's like a his knee whole upside. body is past the grass i'm saying that's like the a cut. Split and his whole body's though. on the other side it's, of it it's close though I mean, i'm not saying he it was the wrong decision he was offside but i'm saying it's a warning sign because he was close. No, no, it is. It is a warning sign because it sure. wasn't. It wasn't a situation where they nailed stepping up. It was <laughs> yeah a half second, and they would have conceded. And it was very lazy by was that Baragi on the far left? I, I think know. it is, but it's just very lazy by whoever was on the left. There's either Baragi or Ranieri. Like you have to know where the rest of your defense is, and he's just a little half step behind the yeah, rest of them. I think it gives Basel but, confidence in the game plan. Yeah, that's we also what, see Terracciano having to make a big save in the 19th minute off a rebound from a f- other shot. Um, and they look like they're in this game until the Italians seem to have uh, put those early warning signs to bed. Six minutes after uh, that Terracciano save, Cabral flicks home a second header from a corner, and it's all very comfortable. He doesn't celebrate, though. Because he made over 100 appearances for Basel. Yeah, and was um, incredible for them. He maybe should have the, celebrated, though, because it was his first goal in five matches. Yeah. So, <laughs> but he was, I believe, the top goal scorer in the league mm-hmm. a year and a half ago when he transferred to Fiorentina. He was their Vlahovic replacement. Yeah. Yeah. And so how's that going? <laughs> I think they've uh, won that trade so far. Well, maybe not. Well, no, you know, it's amazing. <laughs> so, so good. They've definitely not won that. I mean, yeah. neither team has won. Yeah. You might think for uh, all this season right now, but yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. I have to say, Basel looked impressive for most of the game, though. Like the basic stats will tell you Fiorentina had more of the ball and more shots, and that's true. But the reality was. For me, that Basel posed a threat just as often as Fiorentina did. Yeah, I was and say, really, and they they and they looked pretty poised on defense because Fiorentina didn't have a lot of like high quality, high xG chances. Yeah, I feel like in the first half, Fiorentina should have scored a second, like just on the quantity of chances, maybe more so than the quality of those chances. But they just failed to turn their possession and control the game into anything super dangerous whereas basil in the first half and most of the second half every time they got the ball it felt dangerous like it felt yeah. like they and i was impressed with their here. defensive poise too i think they their their shape was pretty consistent mm-hmm. you know fiorentina moved the ball around a lot like flank to flank mm-hmm. um they did a nice job sort of rotating and staying in the right spots um it was funny that the commentator was talking live about um, about the 70th minute how Basel were maybe struggling at times to get sort of, sort of quick ball progression in possession and that was sort of their weakness there yeah literally as he says that they progress the ball for a goal through the midfield yeah um, it's like straight yeah. to Duke who does literally as he says this yeah so the, it's their best move of the game it starts all the way back with hits and goal yeah he finds Duke in the midfield he hits like a little tasty back heel it's a give and go he gets the ball back around midfield and drives like 40 yards 
cuts left. He has Amduni screaming up on his on his left side, but he takes the shot himself at the edge of the box and finishes low. It's brilliant. Really great individual effort from yeah. the nineteen year old. He's just a kid. He transferred from Ren about a year ago. What a moment. Yeah, yeah. So wonder what the future could have in store for him. But I thought that was a it was a really mature run too, because he used the runs of his teammates and the mm-hmm. runs they were making toward the goal. So you have thoughts as a on way that, to yeah. like drag defenders away from him. Yeah. Like it, I don't think but it's funny though, because it's job. one of those that if he, if he doesn't score there, he gets completely shat on for not yeah, playing I left to a wide made, open. And he should have made that last the right footballing plays to make, make the pass. pass. He was wide open. Yeah. It would have been a tap. But for he, I'm Dooney. talking about before then, right? Yeah. Augustin making a run. I think uh Indoy is on his right at one point too. And he uses the my favorite say <laughs> my favorite name he uses those players to distract the defenders and kind of makes it look like oh maybe he is going to lay it off to them before taking off again i just thought it was a really good job of using the positioning of the players it around was de bruyne-esque him to create space yes yeah. a de bruyne-esque move yeah it was a very mature run from a really young player it was strong it was quick it was decisive and it was yeah. accurate and certainly one to revisit for you listeners um you know what but, and he it? and he had earned the attempt after that yes. solo move that yeah. he'd done you know what wasn't strong, quick, or decisive? Any of the Fiorentina defense? Fiorentina's defending in the 90th minute. Oh, I actually wanted corner. to shit on some of their defense in this first. Yeah. I want to shit on Amrabat here. Mm-hmm. Does not cover himself in glory. When the ball is played into you, do you, he's A, late to step up and make a challenge, and B, gets completely fooled by the back heel and dives in recklessly, taking himself completely out of the play. Yeah. So that's one. Then no one... Feels like trying to get in front of Diouf, maybe foul him, maybe try to stop the ball. Except for poor Quarta, who is completely left in the dust. <laughs> um, these are the risks of the Italiano sort of system here. Yeah, when there's a lack of organization and some of these pressures, you can get easily opened up. Mm-hmm. Or when they're undisciplined with their high line, like they were on the almost opener in the first half for Basel. Um, in the end, though, Basel looked like they're getting out of Italy with a huge result. Yeah, 1-1, 1-1 would have been massive for them. Then they have a free kick and stoppage time by the corner flag. Yeah. It couldn't be, could it? What happens, David? Oh, my God. It's uh, played in... It, how many times did Basel touch the ball before? They, they uh, three or here's four the theme of the day. They make they first play. contact. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then it drifts out to, to Mollis. Uh, Way over on like the... On the by, by the six, six, kind of on the on the far end. Yeah, he rifles it back in front yeah. of goal. So that's the first touch and the second touch, mm-hmm. and the third touch because it finds M. Dooney. Dooney, that's yeah. Thumps it in with his side foot. Uproarious scenes in the yeah. Basel contingent. They've done it. It's quite the performance and result for the Swiss. It's two one. Yeah, it looked like Fiorentina just had no idea the ball was still in play. Like mm-hmm. that, they you still had when to it comes play out to Mollis on the side. Nobody like it takes like a full half second for someone to be like oh shit i gotta get I a gotta step go. up yeah nobody's <laughs> this, and you know what we're gonna get anybody. to this very similar goal in the west ham mm-hmm. uh game yeah just in just a moment but um like like i said at the top the most surprising thing about this is that it wasn't some smash and grab yeah it was like an evenly played game that basil earned <laughs> and that is not a good sign for fiorentina going back to no. what's going to be a pretty raucous it atmosphere does remind me a lot of the nice tie too where the first leg we're like oh like basel played pretty well like yeah this they could have wasn't just a smash and grab uh but the defending it's like they forgot that you get added time in soccer they're like oh it's Mm -hmm. past the 90th minute we don't have to keep playing like nobody moved maybe three steps max from a single player they completely in that whole 
Uh, yeah, it was really, really embarrassing, I thought, from Fiorentina yeah. defensively on that. We're really not going to count them out, though, of course, because we've seen before they like to do things the hard way. Yeah. and As we saw with uh, Lech a couple weeks ago when they blew an enormous advantage at home, they only to eventually win anyway. teams. I mean, yeah, they can. Yeah. So it's possible they show up and they're just at it and win 4-1 next week. Yeah. But don't forget that it's not a home crowd to sleep on over mm-hmm. there in Switzerland. Yeah. Uh, It's going to be rocking there. And if Basel show up with any similar level of focus and organization, it's going to be hard to beat them. Mm-hmm. They're going to yeah. have to dig deep, Fiorentina. Mm-hmm. And they've done it before. Yeah. 4-0 four, four against Braga, 4-1 against Sivaspor, 5-0 against Sampdoria, 3-0 against Ellis Verona. Yeah, they've they got wins, goals in them. Yeah, they have wins over both Milan and Inter, one mm-hmm. of whom will be a Champions League finalist. Uh, Lech 4-1. Like, it's a different can... stage, though, you know? They're it not is. used to being on, on this stage. Mm-hmm. Which is a European semifinal on the road. Yeah. With the deficit, they're they're gonna have to really show some quality. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, it's going back going to Switzerland with a deficit is a new position for Fiorentina. Yeah, it's a total toss-up now. Yeah. So full credit to Basel. Very impressive performance from them yet again mm-hmm. from the team wallowing in fifth in the Swiss League. Yeah. Um let's which go to I should our... say technically top half. Top half. Uh let's finish up here in East London where West Ham uh pushed aside AZ Alkmaar in the first leg for a 2-1 victory. Mm-hmm. Again, everything's still very much in play here. Um, no Danny DeVitt for Alkmaar in this one, as you mentioned on Wednesday, which was a big loss in the midfield. Yeah. And we all know AZ want to possess the ball in the midfield for, you know, the majority of the tie and build up in the Dutch fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, West Ham are pretty comfortable out of possession if they want to be. Yeah. Um, so we kind of knew how this one would look on in basic possession terms and it played out pretty much that way mm. az really struggled to create good chances from that possession today though yeah. we've seen this from them before on mm. especially on the road they they only really managed a couple of chances in the box their highest xg according to fat mob from any single shot was 0.06 mm-hmm. so they didn't have any good chances today yeah they had what four shots inside the box yeah and um, it didn't look like it mattered for <laughs> after the first half because yeah. when it ended they were up one nil thanks to a thumping strike from Reinders. Um, it's a really fantastic effort that dips and like uh, hits the, I guess it skips in front of yeah, right in front of Areola's the... goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but Areola should be saving that, let's be honest. Yeah, he's definitely late. I don't think he gets there He's regardless. His positioning is fine. I think he just misjudges the bounce. Yeah. I Which, think... again, the technique, and it's a difficult skill to save, mm-hmm. but... A uh, goalkeeper at that level should save that. Yeah, I think he just reacted late too. Yeah, like I thought that one was probably on Areola. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was really the only option that Reinders had too from there. It's like he yeah. had the space to shoot, but he didn't have any passing lanes. He didn't have any space to drive forward. Yeah, that's so kind, you kind of, of most kind of, of the offense they created in the game was like maybe they they just didn't get any penetration to the box, so mm-hmm. they settled for these long distance shots. Just worked in their favor in this one instance. This looked a lot more like the West Ham that we saw last year, where mm-hmm. like they were comfortable out of possession and it's been an issue for them all years that they've tried to play like a top seven team and it hasn't worked and now finally at this point in the year david Moyes is going back they look to like themselves to today top seven team. they look like themselves they were very yeah. physical they especially on set pieces which we'll get to mm-hmm. um and in certain pressing moments too because their best chance of the first half was a turnover mm-hmm. with them pressuring high ben rama gets a hold of the ball and and it's a beautiful technique curler it's going bottom corner uh matthew ryan aussie international 
mm-hmm. friend of the pod, pulls out maybe the save of the day. Yeah. It's a stunning, like full stretch fingertip save. Um, but his uh his quality performance wouldn't last because in the second half he gifts West Ham their breakthrough, who's sort of mounting up pressure. Yeah. To be fair, but uh, Ryan clotheslines Jared Bowen. He go who's going for a header, punches, punches him, him in the face. face, and then complains about the penalty call. Yeah, and it's such an obvious penalty. Ben Rana gets the honors, which and and buries it, which is it's actually a really terrific penalty, mm-hmm. full of confidence. It was well deserved for the man who I think had been their best player to that point. He was really bright today. Yeah, Brentford international. Uh. Yeah, so AZ, at this point, are really struggling to cope with that West Ham physicality, it seems. Especially from the set pieces, they're kind of kind of getting bullied around a little bit. Um, and the East Londoners finally take the lead from such a play. Um, AZ, theme of the day, lose both the first and second contacts. Yep. Um, it's a Bowen corner. Rice chips the ball in front of goal. Aguard heads it along, so that's three contacts. <laughs> the fourth contact finally finds an Alkmaar body, but it's a hand. Uh, yeah. But it doesn't matter because then Antonio hits it. Yeah, it just falls right to Antonio. But it would have been a penalty. There is it. Yeah. And there that was, was point blank. A combined 1.22 XG yeah. from West Ham on the three header. <laughs> so it's funny. It would have been shocking if they hadn't scored. Yeah. And they sure should have. And yeah. frankly, uh, they probably should have won by more than a goal in this game. I think. Yes, but from also. From the sustained pressure and like quality of chances were much better than Alkmaar's. Oh, no, I agree. I I think a 2-0 would have been mm-hmm. a most the most accurate. I agree. Question. I, I agree. thought there were times where West Ham were wasteful in, Definitely. in possession when they had the ball and wasteful in the final third where it's like, come on, you have to make the extra pass or you mm-hmm. or they misplayed a pass that could have set up um Antonio for another shot on goal. Like sure. There were times where I was like, okay, West Ham should not be scoring three goals today. Mm-hmm. Right? Even though the XG numbers would tell they you they should have and they yeah. could have. There were times where I was like, you needed to be a little better in the final yeah. third to get that last goal. But, but uh, AZ, AZ, AZ did just game. enough to hang in there mm-hmm. um, and take take it back to the Netherlands. And I mean, they're in fine position given this result. This result will do them nicely. Yeah. Um, they are going to have to find a, some way to better compete, I think, with these crosses and set plays. Because especially in the second half, with all those big bodies. I mean, it's been their strength under Moyes mm-hmm. pretty much since he's been there. Yeah. They have, like, between Suchek and Rice and Aguirre and Antonio and Zuma, they got some big boys. Big, big boys. Big, meaty boys. And it's really hard to compete with those guys in there, especially when Bowen's deliveries are on point. So they're going to have to figure – they're going to have to be braver in that sense next week. Yeah, absolutely. But I was a little concerned with how West Ham were talking about the game afterwards because it almost gave something? off the air that they were, like, thrilled. Like, it felt like they... Didn't Moyes say something like it's it's in, in the balance, so it's like a well-balanced tie. And I'm like, didn't you guys dominate that game? <laughs> what are you yeah. talking about? Well, I thought that's what you should be saying. Like, I because yeah. Moyes, I think, has the right mindset. He's been down the, mm-hmm. these paths before. But it felt like when you would watch the West Ham players in their interviews afterwards, that they almost oh, acted like... Yeah. It felt like they thought they had kind of won the tie because I mean, they, they dominated well. the game. Yeah. But it's only one goal. That's they what has me nervous. Well. It's like, they know. played that well. It's still only one goal. If they relax at all, odds that are definitely good enough to turn that around. Yeah, when we've seen a, a big difference for in Alkmaar's like home yeah. and away performances and some of these knockout ties. Um I needed something to criticize West Ham about yeah, because like it's a big it's everything the, was so positive. It's a big deal for them to have the second leg uh, at home. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And it they haven't really had to play quite this level of competition yet, but um in the knockout stages, that is. Yeah. 
Um, but I think it's plenty possible that they can turn this around. Um, but they're going to have to be able to create more and keep West Ham out of the box a little better. Yeah. Um, from set piece deliveries. Um, but they've we're, we've ended up in a place here, a great place in these two competitions where every single tie is either level or within a goal after the first legs. Yeah. So uh, the the gods, the football gods, have set us up beautifully for next weekend's Absolutely. second they fixtures. All look super super next spicy. weekend, next Thursday, I should say. Yeah. Um. So credit to the football gods there. Mm-hmm. Um. They've given us very tasty talking points going into next Thursday, and we're grateful for that. So grateful. Right. Should we wrap it up? I think we got to wrap it up. Do you have any final up. thoughts? Um, do I have final thoughts? No, I don't really do thoughts. You don't do thoughts. I just yeah. do actions. That's I just fair. Go for it. Yeah, that's a very masculine thing to say. Yeah. I just act. <laughs> I just act. Um, well, I have a great idea of who we should cheers to. Who should we cheers to? Uh, Mr. Basil Manager, who was not even the manager at the start of the season. He was, in fact, the, the sporting, sporting director. director. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that tells you how their season was going halfway through. Yeah. That they felt the, that he felt the need to come pull up like a, a Pat Riley. Yeah. Uh, 06 style takeover of the team on the sideline. Um, but in that spirit and with this run in mind and all the Basel greats that came before, including Mohamed Salah, let's, uh, let's cheers to fucking Heiko Vogel. Heiko Vogel. Heiko. Cheers. Cheers.